Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. Adam Greenberg's passion for baseball was just the beginning. After working his way towards the big leagues, an unlikely pitch brought his career to a halt. But like any truly driven athlete, adversity became just another welcome training hurdle. Learn how this incident led to his discovery of restorative nutrition, improved performance, and becoming the motherfucking CEO of his own company, Lurong Living. That's right, this week, the former major leaguer discusses the numerous research findings and testimonials, including his own, which point to improved joint mobility and far less pain, all from this natural deer antler supplement. It's time to take your health by the horns, so listen for a little promo code at the end of this show. This is episode 228. Our Athlete Nation, what Good. I'm, I'm no, fucking in. No, that's fucking awful. No, this is that, Luke. That's, there's a, there's yeah, a reason. Uh, 2007 there's a, called and they want their intro back. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't even know if it made it to 2007. Was there's it? a reason that died 20 years ago. Was it 20 years ago that came out? We gotta. I got to look that yeah, up. Yeah, Google that shit. While Tex is fucking slowly typing and Googling, this is another episode of the premier podcast in Strength, Strength and Conditioning. conditioning. All right. 1999 to 2002, Budweiser. Oh That's God. it. Those are fucking glory that days. W- that was also the years I peaked <laughs> in high school. <laughs> it's true. That was what my that then? was my first year in the NFL. So Ooh, now I feel fucking dog. old. Now I feel old. Oh, I peaked in high school. Yeah, mm. I was fucking state champ. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We got John. We got Tex. We're uh, sitting around the the on the long road table in the gym here. Power Athlete HQ 2.0. So if you get a little bit of reverb, people. Whatever. Yeah. Deal with it. Birds chirping. My neighbor has these crazy-ass macaws and the <laughs> lemur monkeys, which blow my mind. But uh, as you know, we are finishing construction on the new podcast room, as yeah. we speak. Literally. Literally. And uh, I guess before we get going and uh, announce the uh, our today's guest, uh, listen, people, the Power Athlete Symposium is coming, right? We have like 140 people signed up, so we're like 40 people into our second wave of tickets. The second wave, people... People have hit me up, people I know, people I like and people I trust, telling me that this was like a one-day ticket. It's not. You still get to talk with all, or I guess talk to, but experience all the speakers. So that's Friday night, that's Saturday, all day, and that's Sunday, second half of the day. We have reached capacity for Sunday morning, the practical sessions at Power Athlete HQ. Other than that, you still get to hear Dr. Tom talk. You still get to hear Andy Stump, Bert Soren, Rudy Reyes, Adam Nelson, Dr. Christy Anderson. Uh, who else do we got, Tex? Raph. Well, Raph well, will, we, well, Raph will be around, but Raph is going to be a morning session. Listen, people, I should know this, but I don't. If you want to learn more about this, powerathletehq.com slash symposium. And this isn't some fucking party where we're going to get a whole bunch of money and get a party barge. No. What we are doing is we are raising I can see funds. The, I can see the tears streaming down I your know. eye. You're like, maybe we could just get all these funds to get a party barge. But you know what we've done? What? We've decided to dis- donate all the proceeds to Wade's Army. As you guys know or might not know, we have a 501c3 to combat neuroblastoma and help kids So and battle pediatric cancer. And I'll read on the forefront. Um, and this is all donated time of ours. Um, we have our annual T-shirt drive going on right now. Live right now? Live right now. So get in there, uh, wadesarmy.org, donate, buy a T-shirt, do anything you can to help us so we can keep funding the fight against pediatric cancer. And what I'm working on right now, for those of you who are going to the symposium, right, I'm working on getting the rooftop bar at the Sinesta for like a VIP mixer. That's right. I'm going to force John to fucking stay at one place with all of his cohorts. 
the esteemed speakers. And uh, basically, you're just going to be able to share cocktails. What time? And, what time does this thing start? Which thing? The, the the rooftop bar cocktail thing. I'm working on Friday night after Andy goes, the, like uh, for for all of our hosts to have like the a VIP deal. Nice. Okay. So it'd be I mean, Friday can, night, like six o'clock. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Because you know, after I have like one drink, I get like ninja blow darted. <laughs> so I want to be in bed by like seven because this is what happens when you have kids. That's right, people. <laughs> and symposium, proudly sponsored by like we got some partners in this thing. Title sponsors. Power Dot's helping us out, and uh, Soranex as well. Yep. yep. So. Yeah, no, Bert, Bert came through and uh, wanted to support our event. And then also, you know, we've had a longstanding relationship with the guys at Power Dot, uh, EMS devices, and have always been there for us and wanted to be one of our title sponsors. So I really appreciate those guys coming in in the fight. Without further ado, Tex, you have a fly in your head. All right, it's gone. Uh, without further ado, guys, <laughs> I guess, wadesarmy.org, get some fucking shirts, make a donation, do something, help us out. And then number two, if you want to go to the symposium, hurry up because that second wave of tickets is not infinity. Like, I think we got maybe 60 left, and they, they're going 10 a week, basically. So do it, people. Do it. On to the show. Let's talk interesting shit, right? Who we have here today, we have Adam Greenberg as our guest. Adam, what is up? How you guys doing? Thanks for so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome, man. Uh, thanks for your patience during our, uh, our little bit right there. Now, Adam, you got a really fascinating story, man. I mean, uh, some trials and tribulations, right? So I'll give just kind of a brief, brief deal here, right? Um, mm -hmm. Former Major League Baseball player, right? And from what I understand, uh, kind of an anomaly in the sense that you really had one pitch, right? One pitch, one at bat, and then tragedy kind of struck. And then since then... Uh, Everything has been around recovery, right? And then uh, and, and preaching how, how you got better or to the, the point where you're at now. And a lot of it had to do with the nutrition side of things, right? Yeah, I mean, it certainly a lot had to do with nutrition, but also just overcoming obstacles and challenges. Uh, as you guys know, <clears throat> in sports and training or whatever, whatever life's facing or, or presenting us, we're going to have our challenges. And you, you made a comment about the first pitch that I got hit in the back of the head, major league, first major league at bat, first pitch, ESPN, Sunday night baseball. Um, and, and it was, you could call it a tragedy um, back then. Like that's easy. Um, but for me, I look at it now as uh, as an amazing gift that I was given. So it's, it, it's been a long process, but that's kind of, that's kind of where, uh, where I stand at this point. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the parody on, on resiliency, right? Where there is a trap or I guess, a in hindsight maybe not a tragedy but at the moment there's something that totally derails you or whatever your plan of action was but through it there's there is a silver line in that if you scratch hard enough you can get to right and and that in this case is the the struggle for recovery right so maybe yeah maybe give give our listeners or, if they don't know your story or or maybe necessarily looking at it and saying hey you know i've been uh throwing adversity in my way and now i have to you know rework my path i mean he probably had this deal where he's like hey man i'm gonna be a professional baseball player i'm up here you know i'm living my dream and all of a sudden you know some rogue pitch hits him in the back of the head and now it alters the trajectory and this happens to every athlete you know and uh, some people on the first pitch some people on their first game or 10 years down the road uh, I always sometimes think that, that it's more of a blessing for it to happen early because you don't want to be that dude that's never had any adversity after like 10 years and then something catastrophic happens because then you can't always kind of rebound in such the same way. So um, how old were you when you uh, when, when you got hit? It's 24 years old. Oh, shit, man. That's, uh... So I was, I was a rookie, um, got called up, and it was halfway through the season, and I was going to be a Chicago Cub. And as you said – I mean, the path and trajectory that I was on, it was, I was going to be a big leaguer for the next 10, 15 years of my life. Um, and, and 
as you guys know, and kind of joke about it, but if you think, you know, your plan, go make, you know, make God laugh, just tell him, you know what it is. I was, I was dead convinced like, man, it's my time. This is the way it's supposed to be. Um, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't all that. <laughs> no, I, uh, dude, I, uh, you know I, know, I don't know if you know my story, but, um, I played in the NFL and actually my first NFL start, uh, at the end of the first half, I ruptured my patellar tendon. Ugh. And they carted me off the field, and the doctor looks me in the eye and says, um, that's the end of your NFL career. Nobody's ever come back from this knee injury. It was a mid patella rupture. Oh, and then I came God. back the next year and started 16 games and went on to go play for another you know, nine years. So fuck him. Uh, you know, there's nothing more than a doctor telling you, like, you know, this is what they believe because, uh, you know, they don't know. And they're, they're, they're so definitive and absolute. And because they think they, you know, I have this degree and I went to med school, I can somehow label you and, and task you with this. And uh, have since come to actually despise doctors for the fact that they put limitations on people all too often. And I just realized that's their own limitations. They, they personally have never had the experience or never had the seen people come back and will themselves to survive and be able to come back from these things. So, yeah, man, uh, give us some history. Like, let me know where you came from, how it all kind of came together and just kind of the journey that gets you there. I mean, to be, uh, you know, be able to take a cut in the major leagues at 24 is pretty, that's pretty legit. Well, I will, but I, I have to say first, that's your story is inspiring. And, and, and it's, it's those types of things. And the, and the attitude that you possess is the same thing that I'm trying to kind of get out there. So the, the whole message of just don't tell me what I can't do. I always say you got to prove yourself right first, right? That's the most important thing. You let the people around you who support you and that kind of just keeps you going. But it's, it's the doctor's type that, that said what you can't do. That's what fuels the fire. That's what burns in you. So just hear, hearing it from another athlete who's been there and done it, I, I just love it. So that fires me up. So I just wanted to make sure I, I pointed that out. So I appreciate you, uh, you sharing that story. Um, for me, man, I, just, I grew up five years old, six years old. I want to play Major League Baseball. Um, it, it was, I'm five foot eight and three quarters. I'm white and I'm Jewish. I'm from Guilford, Connecticut, small town here where there's never been a professional athlete. Um, certainly major league baseball player. Um, but it was, I was so determined that numbers didn't matter. It was just what was in my heart and what was in my mind. I was just going to do more than anyone else was doing. I was always going to work harder, at least in my mind. Um, so everything that I put in was, uh, I played baseball, basketball, and soccer growing up, but when I was 13 years old, uh, I, I went to the first Connecticut AAU tryout, made the team, um, went to the national championships we won and I was the all tournament I was on the all tournament team well my crazy brain was just like huh, I played against the best of the country I'm an all-american and mm -hmm. I'm gonna play in the big leagues so it's just like those types of things that I would allow myself to fuel the I can um so put myself in those positions and and then I ended up going to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill um and uh, I, I always say I got a degree in baseball that's what I went for uh, I, I wanted to go to a top university, but I'm not going to lie and say I was a, a, the best student. I did the best that I could, but I was there to play. Um, and, uh, and it was an amazing opportunity. I went there and got one hit my freshman fall. Um, and one, and you know, in baseball, that's not, that's not good. Um, but, uh, but my, de my defining moment of my, my baseball career was my first uh, at bat um, that freshman spring. I got till I was I don't know why coach did it, but he led me off and he played me in center field, which is awesome. I appreciate it. But I struck out on my first at bat. Um, and it was that it, there's, there's life's defining moment. Opportunities to certain. And, and for me, math was poor me. Oh my God, this sucks. And I'm, I'm terrible. And the fall defined me and I'm one hit guy. And now I struck out my first at bat. 
Um, so the choices we have are poor me or suck it up. Like I picked the baseball. I can do this. Uh, and I went on to have one of the greatest freshman um, years in ACC history. Uh, certainly one of the UNC uh, uh, best freshman years or rookie years. Um, ACC rookie of the year. Um made the all conference team, all tournament, all, uh, all American team. So it was really, really cool. But the next year I went back and I almost lost two fingers in a weight room accident, just dropping the dropping dumbbells. And I mean, my hand was literally dang dangling with my two fingers. So, um, as you guys say, like adversity strikes at all different places. And for me dealing with it, um, John, I mean, John, you brought it up early in my career. That was the most awful experience in my life because I, went through depression. I was questioning what I was doing. I mean, I lost a bunch of weight. I mean, it was like, I, I, I was so lost as a human being because I didn't have sport. I didn't have the, the thing that drove me. Um, so I think going and overcoming that uh, in an environment where I had a lot of support, obviously in college, it's a little bit different than professional, right? Professional, you're kind of just like, well, unless you're the top guy, eh, good luck to you. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, so you have to do a lot of uh, self soul searching and whatnot. So make a long story short, I ended up getting my opportunity after my junior year and I was drafted by the Cubs in the ninth round of the amateur draft and said, even though they were, weren't a team that was, I had talked to during the draft process uh, and they had so many outfield prospects and half a million to $3 million young outfield guys in their system. Um, I felt like, you give me a uniform, you give me the opportunity, there's going to be challenges no matter what. So I took that opportunity and, uh, and I went to uh, Lansing, Michigan for my first, uh, we'll call it intro to minor league baseball, making a whopping $850 a month with $20 a day on the, on the road for meal money. Um, and just as an aside, with the 850 bucks was five months of the year. Like you don't get paid when you're not playing. Wow. Uh, so it's well below poverty, poverty line. And you get 13 hour bus rides. I lived in a, a host family's house with no air conditioning in the middle of the summer. Like, like what the hell are you, what are you doing? Um, but I loved it. It was, it was the best. Like it was like everything that I had ever wanted just to be playing professional baseball. No other, no other outside things going on. Um, and, uh, and, and of course it wasn't an easy path. I'll tell one story about about the minor leagues and that same like defining wh where are you or what, what are you doing um, a few weeks into that season, um, which I signed halfway through because the draft is halfway through the, the professional season. So I went to the team and I got off to a pretty good start. And then in baseball, you go oh, for four couple games in a row, you go from 350 to 220 and like, <laughs> a drop of a hat. And then I, I found myself sitting on the bench uh, and I sat on the bench for eight straight days. And that was, uh, that was that, that like life's defining moment. I went into the clubhouse during the game, miserable, depressed. And I looked at myself in the mirror during that game. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. <laughs> what, what am I doing? And the reflection was just like, Hey idiot, you, you picked this, you worked your ass off. You did the sprints. You went on all the travel. You signed up for all these teams. You took a baseball bat on vacation. Like, and, and, now here I was with this opportunity that if I put my head between my legs and pout, I piss all of that, everything I worked for away. And it was no joke. It was like the next day I got promoted. And of mm -hmm. course you guys know when you just make your mind change, everything just changes in life. It's like, no, not, not so much. I got promoted to a higher level because the team that I was on was in the playoffs. They just made a, a trade for a six, seven outfielder. That was a second round draft pick that got 
800 grand or whatever it was. And the team that I was going to, the top guys were going to, were getting promoted. So I was literally going to the worst team in the Cubs organization, but it was a higher level. But that was my opportunity, man. And for the next five, six days, I went off. And on my fifth day, my fifth game, I, uh, I, I hit a home run leading off, a double, a triple in the second inning, and then batted in the fourth base hit, and then got up again in the fourth inning, hit a double. So I hit the fastest professional baseball cycle and all of my bosses, all of the top scouts, everyone happened to be at that game. Oh, and yeah. Eight, and, eight mile moment, man. Yeah. That, that was it. And, 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 but the, but the funniest part about the whole thing is it's the same. I was the same guy as I was the day before, as I was it's sitting on the bench for eight straight days, but the opportunity presented itself. I took advantage and then we'll call it fast track. Cause two and a half years after that, I was in the big leagues and I got my first at bat. That's epic. I mean, oh, that's yeah. a grind. I mean, we, we had a, uh, we worked with a kid who went into the minor leagues for the Rays, right? Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. where he was? Yeah. But he washed. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he's still playing in developmental league right now and it's just kind of bouncing around. I mean, it was, it's, uh, I'm telling you, uh, baseball is definitely a interesting game. I mean, in terms of, you know, all the different farm leagues, I mean, him just explaining where he was going. I'm like, dude, this gives me a headache. I mean, oh, it's the stupidest The, the game. NFL was stupidest so simple. Game. It was like, okay, you play in college. If you're good enough, you get to go to a team, and either you play or you don't. And, like, there's really no developmental league. I mean, it's either you can do it or you can, or you got to go home and get a real job. So it's uh, – I mean, and guys play for, uh, in the minors for, for years. I mean, I'm, I wonder at which point you've been in the minors for six or seven years, and they're like, you're probably never going to make it. Like, you have to make that kind of decision. It, it's the hard – I mean, think about it. It's the hardest thing in the world because I just talked about when I got hurt – and I couldn't play. I didn't have the game. And I went through a, a depression in college. So now you go and you play your whole life. And now you play six, seven years in the minors. That's why people hold on for as long as they can. Because usually it's like, what the hell am I going to do now? I, I don't have a, a fallback. This is all that I know. Um, and what ends up happening is you get into coaching, which is awesome. You get into, I hate the game, screw the game. And then God only knows what, what, what a lot of guys do. So it's it's a really, really tough decision and because it's not like football where it is you're either here or i mean there are other leagues of course but it's nothing like baseball dude you can go play in all sorts of countries and you're professional or independent leagues you're not making any money but you're you're playing the game did, did you get your degree from north carolina not yet no i i'm actually going there next week um i got to talk to uh to everyone down there i'm going to go do a speech for the for the baseball team work out with the guys but then uh, figure out how to take some online classes so nice uh, how many more units do you need uh about a year and a half total because i left i mean obviously we didn't we don't get to do summer um uh summer school or anything like that when because we're playing all summer so and you have to have restricted the amount of classes and stuff so i still got i still got a good amount of time nice and what degree are you going for um well it's interesting because I was, a, I was in communication. Um, I own my own company and it's a nutrition company. So the mm -hmm. thing that drives me right now is, is nutrition. Um, so it's an interesting kind of thing that's presented itself. So to be able to have the money to go to school and learn um, in, in that type of environment, that would be the most uh, most thing I would enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So you do a little nutritional science and a little biz, business administration yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. how to run a company. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but if you think about it, you're doing the M your MBA on the fly, you know, by actually trying to run a company, and uh, you know, that's uh, that's always an interesting way to do it. Yeah, I, I say it all the time. I, I and you you laid it out. I feel like I have an MBA because 
being, being owning and running and being a CEO of a nutrition company for the last seven years and just meeting so many more successful people. I mean, you, you do, you just, you learn on the fly and you have to make decisions. And, um, and I just, I love to have the, the, the successful mentors around me and, and just learn from them. I'm, I'm better than just reading a book anyway. So we had a chance to talk before you jumping on. And one interesting thing and note that I made was the connection between your nutrition approach following your injury and a lot of the things that we teach. So tell us some of the things and the adjustments you had to make when it came to nutrition, because that seemed to be the key from the head injury that you had to make in your lifestyle. Well, and maybe before you jump in that, though, tell tell specifically what the injury was, right? Okay, so, and I got a question. Damn it, John. Uh, How does it make, well, no, before we get into this, um, I will say, uh, you know, having, a rudimentary experience with baseball. I just want to know, uh, do you think that guy threw it at you on purpose or it just slipped out of his hand? Cause we watched it and I was thinking like, I don't know enough to say it, but I thought as a professional pitcher, you should be able to put that thing anywhere. It's, it's something that I could think about over and over and, and make myself crazy over. I, I'm not in his head. I have not a clue. A lot of the guys on the team were really not happy. Um, but there was no reason for it. There was no like animosity within the game. There was no animosity between the teams. So I, I can't in all my, you know, my beliefs and I just can't see that he did it. There's no reason. Um, and the fact that it affected his career big time after he hit me, I mean, he had, he was having the best year of his career. Uh, he had eight years in the big leagues at that time. And then he went 14 innings and 14 earned runs and just, was basically out of, uh, out of the big leagues after that. Um, not saying that whether it was on purpose or not, that would have happened or not, but I, I just, I can't say that it was, and I don't believe in the bottom of my heart that he did it on purpose. Okay. Is there such thing as like a welcome to the, the MLB yeah. moment? Like we're like some of the veterans, like, uh, I don't know, like he tried like, to dust you off a little bit, just like welcome the fucking big leagues kid. Like fuck this kid. I'm going to throw his head and see how fast he is to move. If, if you're, I mean, uh, uh, depending on the, 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 the person. I mean, I wasn't a, a, a like an arrogant, cocky, right, huge right. prospect, like just showboating around. I mean, I was just this kid. Like they probably didn't even know my name. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, I get it. I mean, I, cause John talks about his, some of his welcome to the, like junior say I'll put in a fucking, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. Like I've, uh, yeah, I, I've told these guys, like I had a few welcome to NFL moments and, and you know, one of them was, you know, junior say I'll make me look absolutely retarded. And then, uh, and I don't mean like in a derogatory way. I mean, literally he made me look stupid. And then I saw him at the pro bowl a couple of years later and he like kind of tapped me and was like, Hey, I'm gonna buy you some drinks. I feel bad for making you look that stupid. You know, it's all yeah. good fun, but yeah, you know, I mean, but, but yeah. So, I mean, okay, that's, that's all I want to say. I mean, I, I like to believe in the inherent goodness of people, but unfortunately, uh, having lived in this world for a fairly decent <laughs> amount of time and played in the NFL for a long time and seen a lot of things, uh, I have a hard time believing in it. So we'll just go with the, uh, with the inherent goodness and it was a mistake deal, but, um, yeah, go on, uh, you know, let's so talk a little about, bit the about the injury and then we'll talk about the nutrition. Yeah. yeah so, so where I, where I was hit, it was right up under my helmet, um, behind my ear. And, um, I ended up suffering from non-visual issues. Um, cause they did a CT scan, not that night. They would let me go home and I slept in my hotel room and my agent the next day was just infuriated. Like you just got hit in the head, not on the helmet, the base of my head where I had stitches and seam marks of the ball. Um, and I didn't go to the hospital. 
So ended up getting a CT scan and there really was nothing that you could see on a CT scan. Um, but I suffered from positional vertigo for two and a half years and I had visual vision issues, that same thing. I could go like this and you just see the cover one of my eyes and see the letters. Right. And I could see fine. <clears throat> but, um, after I think it was, it was two years later, I went to spring training with the Royals and did a 3d test with uh, 3d glasses and I have to take the triangle and put in the rectangle and do a whole bunch of other, other things. And when I put the triangle in the rectangle, I took the glasses off. I was 13 steps off the target. So I wasn't even close. My eyes weren't working together. So in 2006, I hit 209 for the entire season, stressed out of my mind, like what the hell's wrong with me? I, I suck. Um, and then to find out that my eyes were like that, imagine hitting a baseball in general. It's not an easy thing to do right. and make, make it even that much more, uh, challenging just being having that happen. So it was, it was, uh, it was really tough. And then emotionally as just like anything, you start questioning yourself, you start stressing out over, am I going to, um, what's wrong with me? And am I ever going to be able to tie my shoes without falling over or not having my eyes shift uncontrollably side to side and be left with migraine type headaches for hours on end. Um, so that was, that was a two and a half year process. Um, and, and it was at that time that I was introduced to it. I mean, they would try to give me drugs and all sorts of medication and I, I just wasn't about it. Um, but my, my kinesiologist, the guy that I was working with, he started doing nutrition tests on me. And that's when he was just like, all right, well, wheat, corn, soy, sugar, dairy, starch, gluten, all these things are testing poorly on me. They're all inflammatory and they're all basically affecting When you say the, testing, are you talking about like blood testing? You're taking like a, a applied kinesiology? Like uh, bingo, applied kinesiology. Okay. So if you, if you know what it is, then you get it. If you don't, it's hard to explain it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's um, uh, I kind of have varying degrees with it. Uh, it's it's kind of witch doctory in a lot of ways, and there isn't a- Which we're not against, for the yeah, record. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that in a bad way. Uh, I uh, So, you know, there's not a- Legitimate science and medicine does not recognize a plea, applied kinesiology as a legitimate deal. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, um, there are people out there in the world that are legitimate AK practitioners, mm -hmm. and it's a, more about the person. So yeah. there's a guy, like we, we know, Dr. Craig Bueller up in Kaysville, Utah, who has a deal called Amit, and Craig does some AK stuff, and um, uh, he's dead ass right. So, I mean, I've met some, some people that have some extrasensory kind of perception, doctors kind of healers that have some experience with that stuff. So, but, um, so he started doing the AK and he was testing you and you're figuring, you know, he was finding different muscle weakness based off of, uh, you know, gluten, soy, rye, or sorry, gluten, soy, corn, uh, probably dairy, peanuts, and yep. you know, all these environmental deals. Yep. Yeah. And, and the problem is though, when I was told this, I kind of looked at him and I was like, what's left to eat, right? And, and you think about your diet and I was so, I mean, I was, I was so incompetent in terms of what was good for me and what was not, I had no idea. So he says all this and it's like, all right, well, that's not helping necessarily. And then I said, what's left? And he says, well, if it's three ingredients or less, then you got a better shot. And I go, and I'm thinking about the back of every freaking thing that I eat and labels and I'm going, all right, uh, what, so what's left? And I had to have him explain what a whole food was, something that goes bad, a vegetable. And uh, not saying I never ate any of that, but of course, it's just like, just go to the freezer section of the grocery store. Or you just order wherever you're, wherever we're at. And, and as athletes, you're on the road all the time. So you just order a sandwich or you go get a Subway or you. So it was, uh, it wasn't, wasn't something that I applied right then and there. 
Um, but he started putting me on nutritional regimen supplementation wise, right? I was uh, heavy doses of fish oil, um, B complex vitamins because of all the computer and cell phone use and the depletion of, uh, of energy systems, um, tyrosine for same thing, adrenal fatigue, um, building back tendons and ligaments, making sure that mental clarity and focus would kind of c- come back. Um, and just a whole bunch of, of, of supplementations to my body specific where I started feeling better. Did, I mean, it's uh, just, did he yeah. ever do any blood work or anything or is this just purely AK stuff? He, he never did. Um, and, uh, I, I, nothing with the Cubs either. Uh, like none, none of the teams did any blood work based on nutrition or deficiencies or anything like that. So, uh, this was back in two, 2005. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that's just kind of, that, that was my intro into nutrition and that was all kind of cool because I it didn't really change my diet that much, but adding the supplementations really started to, to, to see a difference. Um, and over the course of the next few years, the, my teammates would see me taking all this stuff. And they'd be like, oh, what, what's that? What are you taking? And I'd be like, I don't know. Like, here's what it is. And then I would call uh, Michael Leibowitz. That was, that was my doctor. And i say, hey, Michael, can so-and-so take this? He goes, I don't know. I got to test them. So that was consistent. That was just clear, consistent for, for the years that I knew him until uh, 2009. 2009 rolls around and he calls me up. He says, hey, I'm coming out with this product. I want you to take it. I want your teammates and friends and family to, to try it. And I was like, I just gave you the background to know that that's not common, like for him. He's not a business guy. He's a schleppy looking, like he's got a schleppy beard. He's about five feet, foot tall. Um, and, uh, and you wouldn't really take him seriously, although he's brilliant. So anyway, he sends me this, uh, this, this deer antler powder. It's not the sprays or extracts, the whole food. Um, and for me, I had just suffered a 90% rotator tear diving for a ball after being released by the Reds after the day before I was told I was going to be in the big leagues, just throwing that as an aside. Um, so I, uh, I started taking this and I gave it to my teammates and I was able to play four and a half months professional baseball season with no Advil, anti-inflammatory or cortisone with a 90% rotator tear and a labral tear. And I stole 55 bases that year, which was 20 more than my career high. And all I'm all physically I can say is I was getting looser quicker I was recovering faster. I was less achy. I was less sore. It was like somebody put lubrication between all of my joints. And I was like, just felt like I was 18 years old. Um, but when I, when I stopped taking it at the end of the season, cause I, I equated it more to a, uh, a performance. Like when you're, when you're working out kind of like a protein shake, take a protein shake when you work out. Um, so I stopped taking it. And for the three days after the season ended, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't lift my arm past 90 degrees the pain was excruciating that on the third day, I just tried to grab a bat. Um, and I just went in my, my driveway and I grabbed a bat and I took like a quarter of a swing, dropped the bat in excruciating pain. I was like, Oh my God. And that, that, that to me was just like the power of food, the power of nutrition and what it can actually do. Um, and it was during, so then I had, uh, I had surgery. So they put seven anchors on my shoulder, repaired my labrum. And they told me 10 to 12 months before I'm a hundred percent. That was when I got into CrossFit. Um, I was doing my rehab. Uh, one of the gym owners, local gym owners, just kind of like took me under his wing and, and personally trained me. And I just started passing out the, the, the antler to the uh, owner. What gym? Uh, what gym did you train uh, at? Shoreline CrossFit in Connecticut. Shoreline. Uh, Dave Plumet. Dave and Lauren yeah. Plumet. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I know them. Yeah. Yeah, awesome, awesome people. So um, so it was it was really cool to kind of – start doing the exercises that I used to do in college where we weren't allowed to do professionally, like cleans, 
and deadlifts and, you know, explosive power movements. That was like the reason that I got so strong and explosive in college was because of that. And yet we weren't allowed to do it as a professional athlete. But once again, besides the point, mm-hmm. um, so, so going and working out and, and, and doing this explosive, uh, stuff with him and giving him the antler, um, and the other trainers just as here, try this out. And all of them consistently, Oh my God, my knees feel amazing. I haven't been able to squat like this or my shoulder. I'm able to do overhead movements. And that's when I started kind of seeing what they were doing in CrossFit. And I started seeing paleo challenges and, and I didn't, I didn't know what paleo was. And then I went and, and then I started thinking, I'm going, as it was being explained, oh my God, that's everything that Dr. Leibowitz was telling me, right? <laughs> like stay away from all this crap, all the inflammatory stuff and eat real food. Um, and, and so I kind of started going gym to gym and educating. And this is back in the day where you, you take a piece of paper, you didn't have a computer with the internet and just, okay, tell people about the product and then they write their name and their credit card information. At the end of the day, I'd go home and <laughs> fill it out. But the point was every gym that I was going to was all running nutritional challenges, paleo challenges. And, uh, and that's when I started really diving in and I was like, Oh my God, I started eating that way. Cause I had an education, but not a clear, like, this is the path, but more just stay away from this, but here's some alternatives. And I, I went one day and uh, I told my team after I posted on Facebook, um, on our company, company site, uh, be prepared for the first ever nationwide paleo challenge because I saw inefficiencies in this process and I knew what it was like for me where I wanted to make it so easy and so simple where online you have access to food databases, education, not just don't do this, but why? And then here are alternatives and then here's your tracking and here's your accountability and being able to see not just physical uh, body performance, but physical performance just by changing the nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's where the company kind of started and then my the nutrition platform, and I mean, since we've we've changed over a hundred thousand people's lives, which is pretty inspiring for me. To why I say what happened was not a tragedy; it was a gift. Um, but it's uh, it, it's so important to me because I've had so many people with diabetes, or or I, I can say it on a podcast, but like cancers and and brain disorders and things that are like, dude, they're preventable, and some of which are treatable and curable, which I you know, be careful how I say things, but it's the truth. Like we do, you guys yeah. know, you do so much damage to our own bodies. We like, we do it every single day. And I'm, I'm just so, I feel like a responsibility now that I have more of a platform to be able to help change people's life that my brand, I love it. It's Lurong living. It means so much to me, but at the end of the day, I just want to help and, and, and do what you guys are doing. Um, and just having an impact and, and, and inspiring people to take control of their life, but educate them enough where they can impact others instead of just, I don't eat bread. Um, I don't eat pasta. That's not real life. <laughs> well, it is. Some fucking assholes are like that. I guess I'm, I'm worried that maybe that was me when fucking 10 years ago. Uh, you were pretty... Um, I was fucking shredded, dude. Uh, yeah, but you weighed like 126 pounds. Yeah, and got you? put down like a small child <laughs> in my post-peaking flag football career. Uh, yeah, I remember... <laughs> Oh boy! No, Adam. I, you know it's. Uh, I guess I've been I've been fortunate enough to be doing working this gig and traveling around and coaching people, and we we talk about nutrition. And uh, right when I came on, uh, which was 2011, is when I joined the team here. It was we were doing some CrossFit football stuff, and you know nutrition was kind of a big thing. We were working with Rob. What was it? What was it at the time? It wasn't. It was Zone. Was it Zone in 2011? 
What for for me? For no, no nutrition, no, no. like they. What were they? Oh, the big thing. Oh, you mean the mothership? Well, not the no, mothership, but the fad. The, no, the fad. Uh, like I the, think the fad was his own. So no, well, okay. Let's let's fucking go back in a little bit of history. So um, the way that this thing kind of skinned out was, I remember I met Rob at uh, Wolf at the CrossFit Games in 2008, and Rob came over to me and he started talking to me about this thing called the Paleo Diet. And uh, the irony of this is as he's explaining it to me, um, I was like, oh, um, you've, you know, Vince Garanda, the Stone Age diet. He's, and Rob was like, uh, yeah. And then we talked about Mauro de Pasquale mm-hmm. and Mauro's deal and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, cyclical ketogenic diets and started getting into it. And Rob, like, kind of gave me this, like, kind of like Spock eyebrow. And, uh, you know, I was like, wow, you know a lot about this stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, I got my blood work done in 1999 and 2000 and every six months thereafter and could tell you exactly what type of foods I definitely had allergic reactions to and worked with Dr. Tom for, you know, almost, shit, 17 years of my life. And, uh, you know, Mauro did my diet back in, you know, 99 and told me, hey, I want you to eat a, you know, real food diet. And, you know, I have a, uh, had done a bunch of nutrition work at Berkeley and, and it was what Mauro wrote in terms of the anabolic and the metabolic diet was completely contrary to what I knew at Berkeley. And um, I ended up doing it and, dude, uh, you know, came in that year at like 306 pounds at like, you know, 7, 8% body fat. So, I mean, that was, you know, and then came back and started and uh, really started my deal on understanding about how to ramp up immune function and increase uh, performance through minimizing inflammation within the small intestine. Mm-hmm. You know, your small intestine is a highly anabolic um, organ. And, you know, you look at like uh, everything from like diverticulitis to, you know, leaky gut, all that stuff. And really the, the window to the immune system becomes that small intestine. So everything became about this idea of ramping up immune function. And I used to joke that's like why Wolverine can heal as fast as he can is because his immune function is through the roof. So how are we going to become Wolverine and just basically removing foods that were pro-inflammatory or necessarily didn't mm-hmm. work for me? Now, uh, being able to paint everybody with one broad brushstroke and say, okay, everybody can't eat this. You know, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. And so even with like the AK stuff, which I've had done, uh, I am a forever a skeptic and think people are full of shit. And, um, you know, if you all of a sudden want to put me in the muscle testing deal, I'm like, great, I'm going to write them down. I'm going to go to blood work and I'm going to see if, uh, you know, what you're telling me is accurate because I take nothing at face value. And I think if you do, then you know what, you're setting yourself up to get played. So I think as a conscientious um, observer, or more like a conscientious fucking protester in a lot of ways, uh, like from the NFL, like I used to come in and they would diagnose injuries and I'd be like, okay, now let's see, uh, why did you have to go talk to the head coach before you told me this diagnosis? Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, you know, I'll forever have assumed that people are, uh, you know, self-serving in a lot of ways. And I think hidden yeah, agendas, a, and yeah, shit. hidden agendas. And as an athlete, so to be able to, you know, be able to say that, and, I, and, and I've seen people that have gotten pretty extensive testing. I mean, dude, over the years, what shit, I mean, had hundreds of clients that we've worked with nutritionally, sent them out and gone testing. And I've had people that showed no reaction to gluten. I've seen people that have shown no reaction to dairy. And I've seen people that were, you know, couldn't eat corn to the point where I thought they were going to die from just having some tacos one day a week. So, uh, you know, being able to, and this is kind of where the paleo thing and I kind of broke a little bit and, I, and to say the paleo diet is 100% correct in a lot of ways, but the way that they skin it in a lot mm-hmm. in, in the idea of saying, 40,000 years ago, we ate this way. And I'm like, well, a lot of that's based off of... It opens of, up holes to potentially well, well, one, we don't know anybody 40,000 years old. Uh, Lauren Cordain really made a lot of that work based off of Weston Price observation of hunter-gatherer tribes. And, you know, they definitely made some, some interesting claims. Now, if you read a book like Deep Nutrition... Uh, which we've you know talked about, they um, you know she makes similar claims and kind of bases it on you know facial rec- recognition profiles and some observational type stuff, which really isn't 
uh, hard science, it's more observational kind of, you know, anthropology. But um, I think at the end of the day, uh, will you be better if you eat a diet of, let's say, one ingredient, like you can cut it to three and say, hey, if I eat more of a whole foods diet, I've never seen anybody that's performance did not increase mm -hmm. from eating a more holistic, and I mean, when I say holistic, I don't mean like in a hippie way, I mean like a whole kind of deal of like, Real foods like a steak and broccoli and you know well, things like this. It just so happens, you know, we, with Lalonde when he he created that spreadsheet of micronutrient density. Yes. Right. It was those foods that you sort that spreadsheet on the most micronutrient yes. density per macronutrient. And it looked a lot like the fucking paleo diet. Well, you that, know what I mean? Like that was pretty interesting. I mean, uh, I got to present at the Ancestral Health Symposium out at Harvard, and for Matt's project, I mean, I, I was talking about, um, uh, you know, how we necessarily were using the power athlete diet for performance. So I would say kind of a paleo deal, and then allowing people, you know, based off of some very simple kind of tests and a little bit of stuff to be able to say, okay, uh, you know, can you can you process dairy? And if you can't. Like, um, you know, AJ had, uh, mm -hmm. who I talked about at that talk, had severe uh, sleep apnea and also had problems with uh, oh, yeah, with yeah. thyroid. So by just, you know, ditching the gluten, all of a sudden it fixed the thyroid. Um, he had, uh, you know, ditching the dairy helped him a bunch with his, actually, with uh, mucus and breathing. What what year was that again? Uh, 2012, 2013, I can't remember. Were you uh, still talking about the flat earth back then? Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't know anything about flat Earth, but uh, uh, you only, know, and, only and, everything. But, but then I remember Lalonde getting up there and talking yeah. about that whole thing with micronutrient density and what we know in terms of what's in the back of the package is not accurate for what's out there. And he basically went back and completely reskinned and I mean, dude, completely yeah, like all foods, like everything. Yeah. He, he had like a team of fucking Harvard uh, people working around the clock to put that thing together in terms of crunching the data numbers. And, um, you know, we figured out that, uh, you know, there, when we talked about micronutrient density, if you look at the foods that are the most uh, return for the for the minimal investment, let's say. Right, right. It it actually skinned out to look like something very similar to a paleo diet. Now the problem becomes is what what becomes the matrix for whether or not this stuff is positive or not. And what uh you know um, our guest is talking about is that he saw dramatic performance increases Bingo. by reducing uh, you know intake of certain foods and by supplementing for mm -hmm. you know certain certain things, assuming your your micronutrient deficiency in those things because it's like we can take two identical people and if you're low in something and i'm not and we both take the same supplement you're gonna be like dude i feel amazing i'll be like i don't feel shit mm -hmm. yeah. uh so it's like for example like uh, uh the cbd um you know uh the cbd stuff i mean nate and different people have sent me cbd stuff and uh they tell me this you know life altering thing has happened to them mm -hmm. uh you know we have this cannabinoid system and this is how it happens i've taken the cbd and i haven't noticed shit mm -hmm. now i don't know if uh you know the stuff turley sent me is basically fucking you know pond water or not <laughs> um i'm gonna go on the fact that it's probably not what it says it is uh, but I mean, who knows? Like, uh, I've also, uh, Nate sent me some stuff that was like the highest grade, highest bioavailability of CBD on the planet. And it was just a CBD cause you know, I don't take the THC part. Um, and I, I didn't really notice an effect. <laughs> now I don't know if like maybe the deal, I mean, and what, I'll, I'm kidding, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what else is something's interesting is, um, um, you know, in terms of working with Dr. Bueller, uh, you know, as I worked with Dr. Bueller over the years, um, he does some deal where you, he goes through and he does muscle testing in terms of his uh, um, AMIT techniques where he can figure out which muscles are short off. So you might have torn your labor because your delt wasn't firing or wasn't working. And the way he explained it to me never really makes sense 
uh, because I would think about muscles not firing as like a chemical reaction, not something as like a neurological break. Like I think like how you fire him, but I, I, I've stopped trying to figure him out long ago. I just know it works. And what was interesting was when I came back a year later and he tested me, the first thing he said is I can tell you how you eat. And I was like, how do, how do I eat? And he's like, uh, and he went through and he basically laid out my diet. He said, the people that eat this way tend to have uh, more muscles stay firing than the people that eat this way to the point that I won't work with people that uh, basically eat a westernized or a vegan kind of vegetarian diet, which I thought was kind of an interesting play on his part. Um, but, you know, it, it really goes back to the idea of, um, and we've always said it, uh, you know, over 17 years of working with Dr. Tom and literally hundreds and thousands of data points of different people he's tested, we found one thing true, that people that eat the most variety of foods are the most healthy people and have the lowest levels of inflammation. Mm -hmm. So well, it's the, it was the people who can eat the most variety of foods. Well, or do, or can, or just because, I mean, it, for example, if you have an allergy, yes, then that restricts your. Well, yeah, but uh, he he found that um, severe high levels of inflammation in people that were paleo eaters that just ate four or five broccoli, things. Broccoli, beef. Yeah, that just ate the fame, which is funny because I would eat the exact same meal every day for the rest of my broccoli, life. Broccoli, beef, mustard, <laughs> five times a day. Let's do it. Yeah, fucking Amanda. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but what he talked about is is you know if you think about uh, this from like a hunter gatherer point of view or maybe even like an evolutionary point of view, uh, not everything. And I've I've heard people say this and I always thought ah oh, that's fucking bullshit. But you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Like not everything would be available to you at all times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fruits are seasonal. And uh, when he explained it to me like that, I'm like, ah, and he's like, dude, think about this. Like, we've genetically altered and modified and we grow things so, like, we can have, like, beautiful grapes and, and, and strawberries and things all year round. Uh, you know, when do birds lay eggs? And, you know, and he kind of went back and he said, if you can kind of keep a little bit of that in your head, like, look for what's seasonal and kind of cycle through it, he goes, it tends to make a lot of sense. Um, you know, and then uh, really, you know, things like, you know, how you approach dairy, for example, is kind of another one. Um, you know, we talk about the seminar a lot. Like, uh, I really don't have any emotion about dairy. I mean, dude, if you get on the Internet, dude, people are like want to like fight blood battles over well, fucking that was, dairy. And that was the big thing for in our circle when I came on was dairy. Like, well, like the dairy was the fucking well, sweet, sweet nectar of what, the gods. Well, the reason is, is that the people that consume dairy, when I, when I say dairy, we'll break it up into fresh and fermented, but when I say fresh, I mean like milk. People that consume milk will be bigger than people that don't consume milk because there's an interesting thing with like 147 different mechanical growth factors. There's protein, carbohydrates, and fat, and there's also higher levels of GH that are, are observed in people that consume uh, that animal can dairy. consume dairy. Right? Yeah, that, that do consume it. So if we were to take two people, assuming they're the same person, and I were to drink milk and then not drink milk, I would have higher levels of, uh, of circulating GH, or, or, or sorry, not GH, but uh, IGF-1. And IGF-1 being a primary growth factor. So the reason that we recommend it is we were trying to make bigger fucking athletes. So we found that a low inflammatory diet mixed with dairy yields an incredible response. So that's why we did it. But now we've kind of pay, parried it out to this idea of like, hey, um, you know, if you want to consume dairy, go for it. If you think it's weird that we're the only mammal that consumes milk past weaning, we're the only mammal other than the weirdo that sent us the uh, video of the pig drinking from the cow udder. We're the <laughs> only mammal that consumes the milk of another mammal. We've also selected to drink the milk of a mammal that has a much faster growth cycle than us. So 
however you want to skin it. But um, I think, like, regardless of how you do it, and I think uh, um, the one thing which is interesting, and uh, I know a little bit about the deer antler spray. I don't know actually about the ground-up deer antler, but I might have some deer antlers. I'm thinking of grinding them up when I go home. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting that you saw that dramatic an effect. And so, um, you know, that type of stuff. And I think, uh, at least for somebody like me, if somebody came and pitched me that and said, Hey, I felt great. I've been like, great. Show me the proof. Show me a double blind study. Show me how this thing fits. You know, you just talk. And I was laughing because uh, I used to live in Philly, played there for five years. So I haven't heard the word schlep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a total East Coast term. He's like this schleppy guy, and I was like, I thought uh, you put a schlep on a bagel. No, like you do. Like you're a schlep. I've been schlepping my bagel. Yeah, like like, like that. Like that. Yeah. Oh yes, the yeah. Schmear. That's like a uh, like like I remember uh, uh, there was a like a, a Jewish bagel spot we used to go to, and I remember the dude was like, ah, oh, yeah, he's like this fucking schlep, you know. And I remember talking <laughs> with him, and so I always appreciated the the Yiddish terms like that. Tex, I have a feeling the rest of the day while we're putting this barn together, we're gonna be some fucking schleps. I fucking have our, I've already called us. you a schlep. Well, that was. I think I called that was you, before. I think I called him a real mensch. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, I, like that's like for me, um, you know, and I think uh, uh, you know having, you know, there's kind of an interesting thing, and you think about with nutrition, um, you kind of have these two sides of a deal where you have you know the doctors on one side saying you know what what you eat has no variance on your health which we know is fucking bullshit. Because you can go back and say, like, look at, what was it, like, uh, you know, Socrates and some of the earliest, uh, you know, um, not Socrates, but it's um, uh, let food by the, uh, be thy medicine, you know, uh, which was the Greeks, and I, I can't remember the philosopher that said it right now. But um, there's definitely, we've seen the people that eat a more uh, westernized diet are not as healthy as, as the people that don't. Right. Um, we also know that the people that carry less body fat and more lean muscle mass in ratio are fucking healthier people. So, uh, you know, like that, that kind of fits. But then when you start getting the nutritional side of this thing, how do you skin it in such a way where you said, okay, you have doctors over here saying this is bullshit. And then you have, you know, some stuff over here, you know, where you're saying, Hey man, I did this AK stuff. It worked great for me. So where does you kind of find it in the middle? And I think to do that, you almost have to bookend and say, okay, uh, I'm going to bookend this with performance. I know that this stuff worked for me. Now we're going to do, we're going to give it out. We're going to do some double blind studies and we're going to figure out if it's just the fact that I was deficient in this and this allowed me or if it kind of works kind of for everybody. And it's kind of like we saw for uh, people taking high levels of fish oil, you know, right, right around 2007, 2008, they came out that Rob Wolf uh, fish oil calculator and dudes were taking 50 grams of fish oil a day, which is fucking Jeez. insane. And uh, one of the guys who came to my seminar was taking 50 fucking grams. He nicked himself shaving and almost died and bled out because he didn't realize that it's a blood thinner. Oh so like... God. That, that becomes the thing where it's like if one is good, two's better, and 50's the fucking optimal. So then you kind of almost branch it back, and you're like, okay, what's the optimal level? And um, just being able to say, hey, you know what? I felt really good uh, to me is kind of an emotional response. So what I like to always see is like, okay, um, you know, I had a CT scan. I ate this way. Now my CT scan looks like this. I was able to come back from baseball mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and start understanding this thing on kind of that like you take it from the micro down or the macro down to the micro. So... Uh, I have no no doubt that uh, this stuff ramps up performance because I know that when I don't take my supplement packs, um, where I do is I get my blood work done, figure out where I'm deficient, and then I you know supplement with it. I know that if I don't take my packs, I'm sure maybe Luke you do too. Mm -hmm. I fucking feel it, and uh, you know, uh, but dude. And but the hilarious part is I took probably three times more supplements when I was playing football because of the amount of trauma and constant fucking abuse that I was taking. I think I was just so depleted. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of goes back. But uh, at the end of the day, man, I mean, you're, you're on the right track with it saying, you know what, hey, if, uh, if people 
uh, eat this way, but I think to be able to get them there, I just think we tell you know the the value story has to be one, um, you know, and I think that's what why how paleo got shot in the foot because you got like I said you have uh, like I said the doctors on one side you have this other piece and then you have like the Dave Ashburys of the world who are constantly looking for some fucking hack into this thing. And mm -hmm. what do we know that anybody that uses the word hack as it doesn't relate to computers or hacks is usually a fucking hack. <laughs> so like I kind of go back, I mean, and I don't mean to fucking go off on a rant here, but no, uh, no, you haven't. No, sorry. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start fucking talking, but, uh, but this is <laughs> like, we've been fighting these fucking battles for, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and what's crazy is, like is, is, is uh, I came in the NFL in 99. I retired in 2009. And about that time, it's when CrossFit hit me up and I went out and I started teaching this stuff globally and I've taught it for shit almost nine years text more than me recently but i mean we still fight these things and what's amazing is when you say this stuff to people like i just did a talk with the nasa guy or with nasa people for ken ford you know and i'm talking to them about just about a little bit of, of diet stuff and you would think that you're bringing fire to fucking cavemen just telling people about hey like there might be certain foods out there that you can't process wait a minute the foods that are most convenient for me may not yeah. be the most beneficial no. Yeah, and people fucking lose their mind. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing that you said, though, is you want to see the double blind and the studies and all that. So I never finished the story in terms of because the, the superficial is I felt better and I performed better. Well, that's not the story. Mm -hmm. And that's not why I started the company. I started the company because my story translated and I was supposed to miss 10 to 12 months. And when they put those seven anchors and repaired my labrum, I was back hitting off a tee three months to the date of my surgery and I played opening games. So there is a, there is a, my, what my CT scan was and there was the, my surgery and that date. And then there was the date of when I was actually on the field and right. was able to play over a hundred games that season. That was the eye opening moment for my orthopedic surgeon to then say, who was skeptical to the extreme, who looked into the product when just because I said, Hey dude, I'm taking this stuff. Cause he called me the day that he found out my MRI results and said, how the fuck were you playing? Right. He said, so, you don't so, have a rotator cuff. So this so is it, purely, this is purely off of the, the, the powder deer antler. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, 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 um, called a pharmacologist. He's, he's, he's Asian, but he's hundred percent. I mean, he's, he, you would never know just talking to him. He, so his family is over in China. So he called a pharmacologist that he knew was in China, was a family friend. So he called him, he said, hey, what do you know about this antler stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, and the pharmacologist said, well, this is what it is. Anti-inflammatory prostaglandins, uh, glucosamine, chondroitin, hyaluronic acid, calcium, whatever. All positive nutrients for anti-inflammation and joints, cartilage, and bones. Great. So he, all his thing was then was just to say, hey, because his obligation was to say, dude, go ahead. Whether it works or not, I don't care, but it sounds like it has some cool properties. Good luck to you. You're not going to hurt yourself by taking it. Mm -hmm. Surgery, recovered the way that I did, and it was at that point that he said, I want to try this on my patients. <laughs> so he wanted... 100 patients, so we got a, a couple hundred bottles and started giving it to his most chronic pain cases, not like you, you twist your ankle and you're going to be good in a week anyway, but cases of joint pain or back pain or whatever that are just he's seeing over and over and over. So he started giving it to him. He came into the dugout one game, and you know orthopedic surgeons, guys. They don't need to make a, a penny off of a, a, a supplement. He came in to, my, to the clubhouse during the game and um, – and he said, dude, I got to tell you something. Something feels, feels really weird. My patients are calling, not asking for more pain meds, and they're not complaining that their surgery sucked, um, but they're asking for more antler and they're thanking me. And he goes, it just feels different that 
people are asking for a whole food, right? And and that was a eye-opening enough for him. And then for me, I'm going, all my teammates were feeling the same thing. Dude, guys on second base from the other team would come on second base, turn around, I was playing center, and they're like, dude, I need more of that antler. Like, <laughs> like it was really, really cool. But the, the, as I said, the superficial is the performance. How you, how everyone's feeling, the joint pain, back, knees, recovery, pitching, what have you. And then the, the general population of, 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 of chronic pain was really like, holy shit, like we have something here. And what's out there in general with supplement companies, they just, they just spew nonsense at you and they try to make a buck. It's all, it's garbage. Of course. Well, I, well, I there's, was, well, there's no regulation on it. So technically, yeah. I mean, dude, like we, uh, uh, you know, have dude for over the years sent things out and found that the, what it was in the package was almost nothing of what they said. Like just even on most of like the basic whey proteins, like, Oh, it says it got 25 grams of whey per scoop. And then all of a sudden you go and you get it tested and you figure out it's more like five. And we, we're fortunate, uh, Adam, we got a buddy on our, well, it's John, it, this guy, uh, Tom Incladon, who Dr. Tom Incladon, who's John, who John has been working with for, what'd you say? 17 yeah, years. I mean, and, and I also, but he's like a fucking guard dog on, on this shit. Yeah. And that's who our source for supplements is he's constantly independently testing yeah. this shit. And then whatever is in bounds, he keeps. Whatever is out of bounds, he fucking flips it. You know. So well, and and uh, and, and also, um, uh, we had a paleo snack company, and so, geez, for years, uh, you know, we would constantly, you know, be analyzing and looking at stuff and sending it out to labs, and to the point where, like, uh, unless I can have somebody kind of say, "Hey, man, this is legit," from like a third party point, I mean, it just to me. Uh, you know, and, and the interesting thing too is uh, when you start running into the supplement game, you know, you have people say, "Oh, I feel great," and I'm always like. Okay, that's an emotional response. So, like, 100%. what's the well-being? Is this a placebo effect? Like, mm -hmm. like, what is it? Like, talk to me about performance. Like, like you said, okay, yeah, hey, yeah. like, Recovery. like, like, I'm, I'm always interested in more. Like, hey, I can squat better. I can move better. I'm PRing lifts. I'm doing things. Those are things I can, I can, quant or I can uh, quantify. Mm -hmm. If somebody says to me, "I feel great today," I'm like, okay. So, I mean, like, uh, what does that mean for me? I say that all the time, and I'm fucking lying. Like Mondays, oh, how are you doing? I'm fucking great. Well, uh, does somebody have a case in the moon days? You're like, I fucking kick your ass. Well, all day building the barn yesterday, you were like, I need more enthusiasm. Fake it till you feel it. Uh, I will text. I needed a little false enthusiasm out of you. You just got back from fucking Oktoberfest. Yeah, you fucking and you know, selfish son of a bitch. I had to travel. And you're over there pouting. I had to travel to Virginia to, to hang out with my family and my wife's sister and her husband and new baby and, and, and mother-in-law. Yeah, and I got to sleep in every day and, and not go to Oktoberfest. So, so that's what I got to do. And I'm the whole time I'm in fucking Virginia, like at the park with uh, my uh, the kids and everybody and my sister's or sorry, my wife's sister's husband is a stay-at-home dad, so I'm there with all the other dads at the park. And I'm just looking for a beer movie? and a 45 to fucking put it in my mouth. And you were at Oktoberfest, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, I should have texted you more pictures. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I hope you fucking knock your teeth out with a fucking big-ass mug of beer. What's sorry, that? sorry. Uh, we, we, we have a lot of personal animosity you going. son of a bitch, you. <laughs> He, well, he, he knows. He's fucking fuck around with his buddies. I mean, that's all we do end up doing is just talking shit. But I mean, it's um, I mean, fuck, dude. I'm. I'll, I'll tell you this, dude. I'm. Uh, I'm. I years ago, uh, somebody forwarded me a bunch of uh, deer antler spray. You know, mm -hmm. and the IG. Uh, the idea was that it increased IGF one levels. Well, this and, was Ray Lewis's thing, wasn't it? Oh uh, well, yeah. Fuck, but he's. Uh, if, if I'm getting my supplement recommendations and information that's from Ray Lewis, that's a red um, flag. That's a red flag. 
But I mean, uh, and so we actually, uh, uh, the guy sent me a bunch and we sent it out and um, really couldn't substantiate the claims that they were making. And so I'm pretty interested to, to check out this deer antler, you know, with the ground up because I mean, the Chinese have used different versions of this. So I almost wonder if like they were trying to synthesize the, the yeah. deer antler spray off of what they thought it was and maybe just the actual grinding up. Cause I think is, yeah. are, are they still using like the red stag from like New Zealand kind of deal? Yeah, so let me let me give you a little backstory because it, it it's really the natural right? That's it, it it has IGF one, but there's less IGF one than there is in a glass of milk, as you were talking about earlier, in a piece of steak. It's so small that as a food source, your body breaks it down, digests it into protein. Like that's it. There's no hormonal benefits or anything. Now, what in in order to extract, you are synthesizing. You're taking away that. And then concentrating and making it rare drop to avoid the natural digestive tract getting into your bloodstream, creating a pure synthetic hormone going into your blood, right? Yeah, that's, that's why they the were doing it sublingual. Yeah, that, that was the idea. They were trying to go sublingual so they couldn't do that it would, it would, because they, they couldn't get it to cross the, the, the gut barriers, I believe the guy told me. Absolutely. So now you say, we, I went on CNN with Sanjay Gupta, okay? I did an interview about deer antler. Now I agreed to do this if they absolutely affirmatively were going to show the difference differentiation between whole food antler and spray extract. Mm. They, so they agreed to that. They did an independent CNN test of 10 antler products, ours being one of them. The last question Sanjay asked, he said, look me dead in the eye. He said, Hey, listen, we did this independent test and we tested 10 different products. Eight out of uh, seven out of 10 came back with, positive human or pig IGF-1. Can you explain that? And I said, I just paused for a second. And I looked at him. And I said, well, number one, you're not talking about us because in this game, I handle raw material all the way down to finished product. I know exactly the antler down to the grinding process, to the heat treating facility, to our encapsulator. So I said, so I know you're not talking about ours. There's such a small amount of IGF-1 that antler is like the cool hip thing to be involved with. And it's so much easier to extract it from a human or a pig, which is disgusting, fine, but, and they're taking that molecule and they're concentrating it. So I said, that's the only answer I can give you. And he looked and he was just like, well, you're absolutely right. Not, but just ours was not. And, and why they're doing it, I don't know, but it's just, it's so hard. So any company that's really out there saying, well, ours is, it's, we, we take 40,000 pounds of antler to give you this vial that you charge $69 for. It's like, Dude, there wouldn't be enough. There's not enough antler in the world to give a, a town uh, or a, a 50 person gym that amount of IGF one. Mm -hmm. So the point is IGF one, we don't even claim the benefit of it because there is none. And I talked to ML major league baseball um, when I was playing for the Orioles after I got called up in 2012, made it back to the big leagues um, uh, with the Marlins. And I talked to the, the, to the Rob Manfred, who's now the commissioner and the head of, uh, of the drug policy. And they're like, dude, we know your product is good. We know yours is clean. Ours is the only antler product in the world that's certified drug-free, by the way. And they're like, but IGF-1 has a black cloud and deer antler has a black cloud around it. So we have to explain why yours is okay and theirs is not. And I'm like, well, isn't that your job? Like, isn't that the whole point of the NSF and drug, drug sport certification? So I got introduced into politics of, of sport um, at that point more than ever. Because the NSF literally pulled our $5,000 deposit, ripped up the check after Ray Lewis was talked about taking this deer antler stuff after the day before. They're like, yep, you guys are certified. You're going to be fine. 
Well, you also got to remember Ray Lewis did escape. I mean, had a double homicide that he was, you know, an accessory <laughs> to fucking murdered those people. Uh, so much so they never found the bloody knife. You had to bring in Art Modell, who's a fucking gangster, like the highest level of gangster of gangster, you know, going in there. Fucking, I mean, dude, come on, man. Like, and, and, Honestly, that, and it that's just sounds always, like you're, <sighs> you're still salty because he fucking used to work you. Uh, that's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> one time, one time. So I'll, and I've told you guys the story. One time Baltimore Ravens came out in the 3-4 and I looked out there and I saw Ray Lewis. And I thought to myself, I've never seen this motherfucker nose this to nose. It. I took his own step and fucking tea kettled him, and they never fucking played that three four again. And I, because <laughs> I, I mean, Ray Lewis doesn't like to get teabagged by John. <laughs> and I'm gonna use Ray myself. Don't like you, John. That's why I use myself in the third person. Because when you talk <laughs> about Ray Ray, you got to talk. You got to talk about yourself in the third person. <laughs> but uh, no, like uh, you know, that's the problem. Is um, unfortunately, as you know, this dude, most athletes are not highly educated. Uh, even the ones that went to college and they, like you said, man, they stay in their lane. All of a sudden a guy comes to him and says, Hey, I'm going to, you know, we're going to blow this thing up. You're a huge celebrity. When you start, you know, putting the deer antler in, the, in there and talking about the power of the deer antler, all of a sudden, dude, we're going to sell fucking hundreds of thousands of these things. And I'm going to send you a big check. And then all of a sudden Ray's just got to go, Oh man, the deer antler fucking got me there. Yeah. Dude, it didn't. And, uh, the, I personally, like all the research I looked at was, um, fucking negligible at best and um most of them didn't even say what they were so i'm actually pretty fascinated on uh yeah now we have a different side of the story 100 i i actually have never heard of actually a a deer ground just to ground up i've always heard of it in terms of like a synthesized deal where they were trying to extract and like the idea of sublingual so i'm actually interested in terms of a whole food supplement because it sounds like that's what you guys are doing we're fucking you know you got somebody with a cheese grater and you're knocking out these uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just fucking that's luke's job you'd be real yeah. good at it but yeah. I, I mean it, it's pretty fascinating i mean especially when it. you start talking about i mean and and here's a thing too that um that people forget and and this is kind of a, a you know maybe going a little farther but uh what did people do before we had all this amazing pharmacology here in this country with all these fucking <laughs> drugs i mean think about this i always wonder like before all the vaccines before all the drugs before this how did people fucking survive is there what no no i mean think no, about I'm this with you, uh, but because what, i'm curious what it, what year is that i've i've well, never really thought that well, way well think well okay so uh, uh doc bueller made an interesting point to me once so when and, was like the pharmaceutical uh, revolution uh well i mean you, you think about for vaccinations it would have been right around i think nixon nine, Nixon well, was the vaccination. But but they also, uh, um, they brought out the vaccinations, but there was a deal where they had the, uh, what was it? It was I believe it was called the Vaccination Act, and I want to say it was like 95 maybe, where they basically indemnified all the, all the companies saying that you can't sue them, you can't ask. Like there's like all this kind of clouded conspiracy stuff around all the vaccinations. And at that point, when that happened, all of a sudden we went from like... 1986 on the... National Childhood Vaccination Injury Act. Okay, uh, that's what it was. So when I, I was born in 76, uh, we had seven, I think seven or eight vaccinations, and now all of a sudden it's like in the 70s. Now, nor here nor there, but um, I asked Doc Bueller that question, and, and uh, Doc Bueller's up in Caseville, Utah, and he said when he was a young doctor, there was a lot of old doctors around him, and um, these old guys had uh, these books, and they knew that there was, uh, I think they called them like apothecaries, like um, people that mixed herbs mm-hmm. and different things that they knew mm-hmm. that there was all these different you know, things that they could kind of blend together to kind of you know, help people along with a lot of these things. And, uh, you know, once the pharmaceutical companies came in and they started synthesizing these different drugs and trying to, you know, create these all effects, all of a sudden there became a huge smear campaign on anything holistic is bullshit and this. And I always think, like, what did we do? How did we survive? How did 
did we survive without fucking 79 vaccinations? How did we survive without uh, you know, this drug and this and this? And then you also think, I wonder if there's a day that it parallels where all of a sudden we look at like you know, Ansel Keys, 1959, seven country study, where now all of a sudden we see sugar as, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, fat is vilified for cholesterol, and we start seeing this big change within the westernized paradise diet, I mean, within the USDA. And now all of a sudden you think, what about pre-1959? Like, why is it that we had no clinical research and we had nothing in the journals about heart disease? I mean, that's an interesting one in the 50s. They didn't even write about it. It wasn't even, it was a moot factor or a a moot point. So I'm with you, dude. Like, if um, there, you know, I mean, like I said, dude, there's so much bullshit out there. And you know this, dude. You're in the supplement industry. I mean, you you go to any of these things. Like, you go to the Olympia, you go to the... uh, uh, fucking Arnold or any of that stuff and you walk around and you're like, I feel dirty by the oh, mere gosh, fact yeah. of like people just giving you shit and like that's why we've always promoted like, you know, eat fucking real food and the idea of a supplement is there to supplement your primary and the problem is, is people don't, you know, I, I don't eat food, I just take supplements and you're like, dude, you missed the fucking deal. So, but what I'm fascinated by is like actually the performance stuff. So, uh, so the doctor does the double blind, gives to everybody, everybody feels amazing, everybody's performance is going up, you get back on the base in, uh, in three months and you end up crushing it did um did uh, what did the ct scan look like before and after that's another fascinating one i'm thinking about so for i mean for shoulder or no, well, well no I'm, I'm, I'm imagining the brain because after you got hit you were having these different problems and would, when they went back and they did any of the brain imaging did they and they didn't really find anything so they didn't do a re a retest they did not so in 2005 remember no one gave a shit about concussions no one, no one cared about brain injuries and brain trauma or whatnot. Now I would be like, a, oh my god, case study. I'd be, I'd be getting big league pension for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> you're, you're got like 50 years of major league service that you're going to get to. Yeah. <clears throat> but for me, it was I had to ask for a CT scan, and then it was as soon as I was seven two hours symptom free, I was able to go and play. So guess what I did? After 14 days of sitting like going, my life sucks. I put myself in a neck brace, sat in a reclining chair for three days at a, at a hotel, got delivery room service, made them open the door and bring it to me. The only time I got up was to go to the bathroom. And 72 hours later, I was like, well, I don't have any symptoms. Totally just like knowing what was going to happen. Um, so there was no follow-up. There was no follow-up brain scan, nothing. So since 2005, after the visual training that I did, I did, I, I, I worked diligently on visual training with uh, the visual edge performance trainer uh, and changed the diet. And then after two and a half years for all intensive purposes, I've been fine. Um, so, but never a follow up. Fuck dude. That, um, that would have been an interesting piece of uh, cool data to have to say, Hey, you know what? Here was my brain scan before and after. I mean, I know and when I retired in 2009, um, I went in and worked with, uh, they, they did a big study with the NFL. Um, Dr. Amen did out in California, and I got hit up and went in and got scanned. And the part of my brain that was most affected was right here on the left, left frontal lobe. And they equated that area of the brain with having uh, problems with sympathy and empathy. So that was kind of cool because uh, I ended up getting a doctor's note that I gave my wife that uh, <laughs> I was having uh, problems with uh, sympathy and empathy. So I was a sensitive asshole and I got a doctor's yeah, note. Yeah, it's a medical condition. But the one cool thing was cognitively, uh, I had the highest uh, cognitive score of anybody they'd ever tested. Mm. But the problem is I'm thinking that was just NFL players, which really isn't a fucking... <laughs> that's like of being... All defensive linemen. That's, <laughs> that's like being like the fastest swimmer on the, uh, like the one leg, you know, I got two in the one guys got one i mean it's just mm-hmm. like i was kind of like oh smartest but 
for everybody? They're like, no, just for the football. I'm like, oh, those guys are morons. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that kind of idea of like, you know, the cognitive. But here's another thing too, man. And, and you um, you probably know this from just, you know, professional sports and what, what you're doing today is most guys when they retire from professional sports do not continue to learn and, and do not chase new talents and, and right. new acquisition of information. So I effectively think that like the day you stop becoming useful, you become useless. And uh, guys also really give into a, a lot of the problems that they have. Like, oh, I'm, I'm disabled now. My brain doesn't work well. And they just use that shit as a crutch and uh for me fuck that like um you know just like that doctor coming in and i always think that that adversity that i had early on where the doctor said uh you know nobody's ever going to come back from this and i was like well you can go fuck yourself because i am uh i think that guys that never face that all of a sudden now at you know 30s 40s all of a sudden they're out of the game and you know they're having problems instead of figuring out how do i fix my melon how do i fix my brain or more importantly what do i do to need to be proactive is it following a diet is it taking deer antler is it uh meditation is it learning to speak a foreign language is it um you know like what is it if, if do i go to sleep with a, a a cpap and listen to Budify before to bed like what type of things can i be proactive so i can minimize the effects and the thing that drives me fucking crazy is that um, people aren't searching for this stuff. Well, let's take They're, a pill. Well, no, but uh, that's the bullshit of it. And you know what? Like, I, I saw this a bunch, especially with Turley and the cannabis stuff. You know, uh, Kyle was so quick to say, oh, the cannabis has fixed me. And I'm like, dude, it's one piece of the puzzle. Uh, mm-hmm. The problem is, is it's a collective of things. Okay, if the cannabis now allows you to get off these medications, now what are you doing to increase your brain health? Uh, are you exercising? Are you drinking water? Are you sleeping enough? Are you doing things to strengthen, you know, the, uh, um, you know, the, what do you call it? The, uh, oh shit, what is it? It's the, uh, um, the, 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 uh, 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 within the brain, the the synapses. So you're increasing the synapse reaction, you know, myelination and, cre- and creating like elasticity in the brain. I mean, when I went and saw Dr. Bueller, he talked about the stitches within the skull and you can see right here on this skull. They, we, we have these stitches and actually as our brain, uh, the, our skull is um, is pieces. So when we come plates. to the birth canal, floating it's yeah, floating plates. And then they say as you age, as you get older, they fuse. They never do. They actually become, and then what happens though is scar tissue makes them rigid, and a lot of the concussions and a lot of problems that people have is because the skull has become so rigid that it won't react. So a lot of the things that Dr. Bueller did for me was just basically adjusting and doing some cranial type movements. And I'll tell you this, I went and I saw, like, had some myofascial release done within the skull, and I remember the lady telling me that the scar tissue from basically the base of my skull to my neck was so thick that she uh, had never seen anything like it. And she's like, um, you know, they were like, hey, I want to work on you. I went in there three times, and this lady worked on me, and, I, and to the point where I remember I left, and I came home and, like, slept for, like, 12 hours. Went back to her three times, and I got up and, like, had no more uh, kind of, like, pressure. And then also the, um, uh, you remember the, the uh, balloon in the nose, the cranial manipulation? Yeah, yeah. So Dr. Bueller ended up putting, oh, like, that's... a... <laughs> I've seen that. Oh, he he puts a, a balloon a, a balloon in your That's... nose and he cracks it and he did it for me and it was as if somebody took all the pressure off of my head and it was a pressure I had totally just had learned to grow with and uh, you know fixing me instantly it was like a, a like giving me my life back so I think the problem. Um, and, dude, uh, if I can do anything and aid in the message uh, for what you're doing, because, dude, you're doing a great job. I mean, your site kicks ass. And, dude, like when I was just going through some of the social media and the way you've attached yourself with your story, it's, uh, it's fucking powerful, is the idea of, like, 
a multi-pronged, and I, I use the word holistic not because like, I hate the term, like the way people use holistic is like the way people use the word functional. They just use it because they think it's a fucking buzzword, but like that whole kind of approach where we're gonna approach it from nutrition, performance, diet, physical, sleep, I mean this whole kind of like secular kind of with all these different points on a wheel, and if, we can, and if you can attack it in that realm where you're saying, hey man, it's just not this, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's everything. Uh, we can make you a better version, and it's really what we've done here at Power Athlete, you know, taking it past fitness into this thing of, like, understanding and fostering athleticism, but really looking at performance from this, like, multi-pronged approach. Like, what are you doing, like, what are you doing to minimize the different effects? Like, I always think about, like, the EQ, you know? Um, as you adjust the EQ on the sound, like, which points, like, what knobs are you turning? And the problem is people just want to turn one fucking knob, or they'd rather just take a pill and put a, uh, a piece of tape over the you know, check engine oil light. And um, I think what's kind of neat, and uh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm always game to try stuff, dude. I'm, I'm psyched to try, to try your deer antler, uh, grind it up. So, I mean, dude, yeah. <clears throat> no, I appreciate, listen, I appreciate all the, all, all what you're saying. And, it, and it's so true, which is why, so when I talked about <clears throat> even our nutrition challenge that we run, it was the paleo challenge because what we knew at the time was like, dude, this, everyone's doing amazing with it. Well, everyone was relative. Everyone that we wanted to talk to and was hearing the results, we were getting jazzed up like, oh, my God, everyone's doing amazing. But the facts are what your guys are talking about. There is no one plan size fits all. It just doesn't work that way. Everyone is different. And that's what my my doctor told me in the beginning. But we were like so like, oh, my God, into the results of the people that we were seeing that we were that's who we were. And it took a few years before we changed from a paleo challenge to now we're just we run nutrition challenges. We have three levels of, fit, of, of eating. We have a macro portion if somebody wants to go down because you know what? You can eat it eating. You can fail at eating paleo because you ate nothing but cookies yeah. and uh, uh, you mean fruit. Pa- you mean paleo snack balls and paleo brownies and paleo. That, I mean, it's, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. I'm, that was part of my thing, especially with the paleo is anybody that wanted to sell anything. And if you looked at like Google trend image or sorry, Google trends on words, paleo had a huge spike. And then all of a sudden you came out with everything that was gluten free, had the term paleo attached. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, <sighs> oh, I, I, I fucking I, missed I, it. I look at labels now, man, and it has just baffled me. The word gluten free the word no high fructose corn syrup, these like these buzzwords that you look on the front of the label and you're like, shit, that must be good for me. And then how many people actually turn it around and number one, take the time to read what it actually is. And you're going there. uh, uh, We did it. We were doing a um, a grocery store tour. So one of the ones was no high fructose corn syrup, uh, maple syrup. Okay. You look in the back of the ingredient. Well, the first ingredient was, fructose corn syrup wasn't high but it's fructose corn so it's just like they 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 have these marketing messages and i want to tell you this story though the reason i started this business a hundred percent without a doubt yes i'm an entrepreneur and i want to change lives more than anything it was these two guys that i went to a a meeting down in florida during my all-star break i didn't make the team the year that i got i was injured came back in that five months i was hitting over 300 i should have been on the team i had 20 stolen bases besides the point but I went down to this meeting because uh, my buddy said, hey, there's some people I want you to meet. And these freaking two dweebs, and I have no, don't worry about what they look like or anything, but I wanted to, I want to strangle them because they went on a whiteboard and they started doing zeros and ones and IP addresses. And they're starting to kind of write out all these IP addresses. And they're like, all right, here's what we do. And we are going to start. And they drew, they drew a line of a supplement company, nutraceutical market, I should say. 
And the line went like this. Okay, never a dip, never a curve. It's just a straight vertical line headed up. Okay, so no matter what the economy is doing, the supplement market is continuing to grow. So they said, we're going to start a company and we're going to create a diet pill. And the diet pill, as long as it doesn't hurt people, doesn't matter if it works. We're going to charge $69.99 because that's the number, that's the, that's the, that's the premier market. Um, we're going to put this amount of money in our marketing. We're going to use these IP addresses. We're going to do, 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 do. And I was just sitting there going, turn to, to a buddy of mine because I'm still a ball player now. I turn to a, a guy who's not a, it wasn't a buddy, just a guy in the meeting who's a marketing. And I said, is this, is this real life? Like, is this really what goes on? These guys are crooks. Just put a mask on, go door to door and, and say, give me your money. Mm-hmm. I was mortified. I was so mortified that that's when I went to, to, to the guy next to me. He's like, I don't deal with brands like that. I don't like but that. Ha- that exists. Yeah, no, it exists. So I, so I said, well, what if you had a product that genuinely helped people and, and would have an impact? And so I gave it to him. He's like, well, you could create a brand and continuity and lifetime value, all shit that it was like over my head at the time. But I gave him a bottle and I said, try this out. Five weeks to the date that I gave him that bottle. Now, there was only a 30-day supply, but so five weeks, I understand. He was out for a week, calls me up, and he says, dude, I want to start a company with you. He goes, you have doctors. You have a product that works. You have athletes. Your story is incredible. And he goes, I do not have back pain for the first time. But what he realized was for the four weeks, it was starting to go away, and it's gradual because it's food, right? And then after the, after the, the when it ran out, he was walking and he's like, oh my God, my back hurts. So he was able to equate it back and then got back on. So, and mm-hmm. so, so the point was, it's like the, the market is disgusting. It's gross. Yeah, no. It's, well, it's unregulated. Do you know and- the, the two industries uh, within the supplement deal that do that to actually like charlatan status, male pattern, male pattern baldness. So bald, balding and erectile dysfunction. So what they do is they basically put like uh, something together that like allows you to feel some tingling. Like what they do is they, I forgot what the, the sub or what they put in, like the male pattern, pattern baldness kind of lotions or whatever. So it makes your scalp tingle like it's peppermint, let's say. it's working. And then you feel the tingly and you think, oh shit, it must be working. Just like what they do with uh, like the, the male uh, erectile pills. They give you something that's got some like ginseng or it's got like green tea extract or something that's going to make you feel like uh, to light you up where your, your skin like a, a you know dilates or a bronchodilator or something like to make your skin a little hot. And then you think, holy shit, this is making it work. And it's pretty fucking hilarious. But um, uh, I got pitched uh, years ago uh, on a guy who was uh, doing that for uh, rectal dysfunction. He like hit me up and he wanted to like somehow use our channels to pitch this thing and i'm like he and he, he had like 70 different products that they you know the ones that you probably buy in the back of a, a liquor store you know the ones that are like no <laughs> horny goat weed yes like no. that shit and and his, his company he produced Black all those date. yep yeah he produced all that shit same company different message and each one was marketed to a different demographic like oh this is the 40 year old like dudes that'll hit the mexican guys this will hit the black guys this will hit the white guys and they were all the same pill and they were all bullshit and he said the problem is is that one nobody's embarrassed enough to say it's not working so nobody's ever gonna ask for their money back because no bald dude's gonna fucking hit you up and say i'm still fucking bald and no dude who's who's buying that is gonna hit you up and say i didn't get a hard on and the, these guys like were fucking i mean like when he showed me the projections i was like that's a lot of money but um I just don't believe in being that full of shit. And uh, well, I do. Tex, we're starting a boner pill business <laughs> that also cures baldness. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> those, it's, 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 it's it's pretty funny if you think about those. If you were to put like a list of fears of guys, the biggest one would be like 
my soldier won't fucking stand at salute in the heat of battle, and uh, I'm fucking look like Telly Savalas. I'm fucking bald like a cue ball. Like those two things. And, you know, as we know, uh, Adam's got a good hairline, so, I mean, he's fucking in business. I mean, <laughs> so it, it must Ted, be the deer antler. Ted, uh, Tex, on the other hand, looks like he's growing more forehead. No, no, those are the cul-de-sacs, John. Those are fine. <laughs> he's fine. Uh, but, you know, those two things. But, um, no, man, I... Uh, I think it makes sense. I, and, uh, you know, like you said, dude, like it's such a sleazy, sleazy business that you're like, how do you create something that's not sleazy? Yeah, now, now the burden for you, though, is you're lumped into the supplement industry, right? So you have to now stand and shine for the uneducated consumer who's not going to, who unfortunately doesn't have the energy to, you know, I'm going to air quote that, to look into it. Yeah, but I mean, you think about, I mean, for him, I mean, he's a professional, uh, former professional baseball player, and his, uh, the story and the value add and how it all came is actually a really good story. Um, oh, no, and, and, I get and, it. I'm, and I'm not saying it's a bullshit story. It actually is, it's a, I mean, it's a great story because uh, it, it really happened. I mean, there's people out there that fabricate shit. Like, there could be people be like, oh, I'll tell this story. And you're like, no, that, ain't, that, that didn't happen. But, but it, he's also targeting, or I won't say targeting, but he's an athlete. Say, communicating to athletes about the benefit of the product when this is not a quick fix it's you know food like you said long time so i think the the audience the way he's communicating that well well what uh, what is in the deer antler that like for example like what is in there where i might be you know because I, I always think like if in terms of supplements if i'm deficient in something and i take something i'm gonna feel better Mm -hmm. Um, so I always think like, okay, like what is in there that potentially, cause if we were to go look and we could do a huge cross section on this testing thing and say the majority of people in this country are, are low in zinc, magnesium, and iron. The reason being is that if you eat a, uh, more standardized westernized diet, it just so happens that, you know, with gluten and a lot of these other kind of, you know, foods processed, it ends up causing inflammation and then you, uh, they basically bind receptors in the gut. You don't absorb nutrients. So actually by reducing kind of inflammation, now all of a sudden you're in a position where now you can have more, I guess you could say, uh, ability for these things to attach. So like, can you give us like a ingredient breakdown of what's in there and necessarily like what's in the delivery? Like why is it the deer antler opposed from just being able to kind of ramp all these up in a different way? Great, I mean, great question. So the antler of a deer grows an inch to an inch and a half a day in the wild. That rapid growth and structural stability is made up of all the nutrients that make up our joints, our cartilage and bones, all of which nutrients are deficient in our diet, like you're saying. So glucosamine, chondroitin, um, bioavailable calcium, magnesium, um, anti-inflammatory prostaglandin. So as I mentioned, you're kind of, you're, you're doing a multifaceted thing in your body. So physically you're getting rid of inflammation. So anytime you do that, you're having a better, you have a better response. Um, we've seen bone scans that have shown increasing bone density, which means once you have stronger bones, you're increasing synovial fluid, which means you have more joint lubrication. So now you're able to get looser quicker. You're recovering faster because you're not causing that same grinding, which is causing the irritation. So it's just kind of like it, it's doing everything in the uh, to the joints, the cartilage and the bones that you need, but also your body at a certain age and the amount of working out that you do, it starts to eat away at itself. Your body goes in an attack mode. So when, instead of attacking your joints and cartilage as is now, it's going after the food source. So depending on the amount of working out or how old you are, what your deficiency, like if you have arthritis, if you don't, um, it, all those things come into play where it, that food is playing such a huge role in the things that you don't see. You can see your muscles. If you're not eating protein, you look yeah. frail, you, you, you don't have it. But the non-visual, something that's important to my life, are, mm -hmm. The joints like you can't see them you don't know except all of a sudden one day you're like ah 
fuck? Like, what, what's wrong? I, I, I don't feel right. Well, you've, you're not just getting old. And it's not just because you work out. It's because you do not f- fuel your deficiencies that you have. So that's why in the antler as a whole food, it's, if you go look at the, uh, the, the chemical composition, which obviously you guys would send it off and you get a breakdown of how much everything that's in there. Well, you're going to go to a store in CVS or Walgreens and say, well, I can get 19 million grams of, of glucosamine when this is only X amount and chondroitin it's only this amount. And you compare it, but there's something in food that synergistically makes it work in obviously a human body, which also makes it grow so fast uh, on the antler itself. So um, the, the synergy of food and what, we, what it happens in the human body, I, I can't speak beyond what kind of I'm saying. Um, but because we've had so many responses to, my favorite is, I, I, I don't know if it's this. I don't have any pain anymore. Or I'm not sure, but my back, like, I, I don't feel the pain that I had or whatever it is. And I go, well, uh, you know how many times I hear that? And that's just, it can only, you, you don't go in business for seven years and have a continuity-based program that's not tricking anyone, 100% money back on all of our products, which we only have had, we, we had one product, the antler, for five years before we had our second product, and now we have three, and we're coming out with our protein next month. But the point is, it's we're so specific. For seven years, that's been our entire focus, mm-hmm. that the constant, all the testimonials in every athlete, and we're going to actually be loading up a testimonial page because I've got some big league guys world series MVPs, football guys that I don't tell them, I want you to give me a testimonial. I don't play in that game. Mm-hmm. Friends, friends are not. If they take it, they come to me where Jermaine Dye went to me the other day, who's world series MVP played in the league for years. He's like, dude, I, I cannot tell you enough about what this has done for me and all the specific things. And Ryan Dempster world series champ, whatever coming to me because I've been in the clubhouse with them. I say, Hey, just try this out. And, and that speaks more than anything. And as you said, because I, I'm not, I like to be in the supplement game because I like to be different. And I like to say, oh, oops, sorry, guys. Hello. That's my wife. Sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, seven months pregnant. Um, so anyway. so uh, I, First baby? I, uh, second. The other oh, one's so. been crying for the last hour and a half. Wasn't taking that. Selfish so. son of a bitch. Get in there and fix that. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so I, I like to... Uh, look at it like we talked in the very beginning. I'm proving myself right. I feel this. I know what it's about. I know what the importance is for me. I have an obligation to take this out to more people, not just the antler, the whole lifestyle. And then the people that are loving this and love what we're doing and are feeling great. All right. That that's the motivator to keep me going. But it's, it's, it's like the the scumbags, the dirt bags, the ones that are just stealing people's money. That's the fire. That would, that's what keeps me going to keep going out with more products as we go, because if people are going to spend money on something, right? Everyone buys protein. Everyone does. No one buys deer antler. I had, I started the dumbest company. I say I played the dumbest sport and I started the dumbest company. Dumbest <laughs> sport means you're going to fail. 70% well, you of the time didn't you- really play a sport because baseball is not really a sport. Save it. Save it's, it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fucking organized grab ass. It, it gotta, fucking you is. Gotta, you still got to catch me. <laughs> no problem. Uh, you give me uh, the first 10 yards. I got you. I guarantee uh, it. Anyway. Um, and I'm not saying anything about the athlete of, an, of a baseball player. Oh, no, but I'm just kidding. It, it is, it's, it's just uh, I trained a bunch of uh, professional baseball players. Uh, like uh, we you know, worked with uh, Christian Cologne from um, uh, Kansas City for a long time and like a bunch of these guys. And 
it was amazing to see, uh, you know, you guys get to the ballpark, they got like a six or seven o'clock game, they get there at like 11 and fuck around all day. And I'm like, do you <laughs> motherfuckers, like in football, we show up, we bang, and we get the fuck out. And they're like, dude, we got 186 games, dude. Like, we ain't trying to fucking beat anybody. And uh, so I just, it, it became this like constant struggle where I was like, man, you motherfuckers are fucking lazy. And it would just battle. And they'd be like, oh, you stupid football players and your fucking piece of shit salaries, which, you know. And so it just became this constant <laughs> battle. And uh, I used to just fuck with those guys. So I pretty much told them, like, you guys aren't even fucking playing a sport. You're playing organized grab ass. So it's just, uh, this is this is a longstanding joke. And I'm glad to bust your balls on it. So that's why I like it. It's totally cool. Um, but anyway, so we, we, we decided over the, over the years that if people are going to be buying certain things, proteins, BCAAs, keto sticks, whatever they are, I want to give them a certain quality that they can come and trust because every ingredient, it goes to the AK testing, every, like every batch, um, our antler, as I said, we handle raw material down to finished product. We don't have our own print processing facility for, for our beef collagen protein or anything. But Where's the deer antler harvested from and where's it pro, uh, processed? So everything is U.S. sourced. Um, so for, for us, we have, uh, we have the farms in here, here in the United States that we have long-term relationships with. Um, so anyone that even comes into the, into the space, we get a phone call from the, uh, from the manufacturer. What, uh, what, um, what animals it harvested from? So just normal uh, deer? Elk. Elk. Oh, it's from elk. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and we're, we're actually getting, uh, we're about to launch into, uh, into the pet side of the, uh, of the business now. So because, why, why is it called deer antler if you're harvesting it from elk? Uh, elk is a deer. It's just a, it's a kind of oh. type of deer. So okay. it's, it's a species. It's like a fish. The more you know. know. I did not find, well, I, I've hunted both deer and elk and I didn't realize. No, that no, they were just the, deer. Yeah. I've. <laughs> I like I. Uh, elk, I'm on, bitches. Elk meat tastes much better than deer meat. Oh my white god, venison. Yeah. No, you guys, dude. Uh, do you remember when I shot well, that big elk? There's mule deer, white tailed deer, and elk, which I guess is also a deer now. Uh, well, last elk I shot was a tule elk in California, and the meat was by far the best. Oh, thing. dude, yeah, I remember. Dude, you remember that? You were like, "Is there blue cheese in there?" I'm like, "No, it just tastes." Like <laughs> yeah, dude, we we made like elk burgers. We had elk everything. I mean, I shot about a 400 pound elk. And I ended up, I think, about like 270. No, I, I forgot how big she was, but I remember it was like 225, 270 pounds of meat, or something crazy. And we literally ate that stuff. Like, and my mm -hmm. wife was like, "I don't think I can eat more elk." I'm like, "Fucking pack it up, I'll I'm eat more." Getting so hungry. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking about, <laughs> about those elk burgers. It's about that time we had a porkalypse as well. Where oh just yeah, I, I shot two 350 pound pigs. Like they were, uh, yeah. like the picture of me when it like posed with the pigs is the pigs were fucking dwarfing me. They were like easily 350. And, uh, we, I took them back and, uh, we, we basically, um, took them to the processor and I had an entire like massive freezer full of it. And these guys went over like every day. I'm like, Hey, you guys want to come <laughs> over and eat some pig every weekend? It was like you know, ribs and this, and we called it a porkalypse yeah. for oh, months. Yeah. yeah. No, that's it's awesome. good. Yeah. So, but no, that's, uh, dude, uh, I agree with you, man. And, and what's cool is um, your name's on the company. Uh, you don't seem like a nefarious dude. And um, I mean, at the end of the day, like people are, you know, there's so many options for supplement companies that like, how do people necessarily know which one to buy? I mean, I, and this one fucking amazes me. Like, how do you go into, and this is kind of the, the mind of the marketer. Um, I had a marketing person tell, a, tell me once uh, that I was a do-gooder and they were a marketer. 
And you know, at the end of the day, the person that knows how to market something will make more money and crush the fucking do-gooder. Mm-hmm. So like we create information, we do all this education stuff and they just fucking hammer it out. But long story short is that if you create, you know, uh, you know, a good company name, you know, like you said, man, you have a great message and you start putting out solid products and you get a following dude, that's how you build a brand. And then what happens is a major supplement company comes in and buys you and then they fucking piss all over that stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> and then they're like, oh yeah, we can do this stuff way cheaper and we'll just try off of, you know, five years off a good name that this guy fucking built, and then you just are like, okay, man, supplement game. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, and, and you're like, oh yeah, uh, that's kind of how it usually what? works. Because I mean, I remember there's always been some really nice supplement companies that have done really good things, and then eventually they get bought, and then they end up, you know, mm-hmm. not doing so good anymore. So hopefully that doesn't happen to you because I'm awesome. Uh, no, I'm, I'm still yeah, to check my, out your I mean, products. My my goal is to is to have the people that are involved actually be involved and continue to build this out. And if listen, if you're successful enough, I'd rather an annuity than a big payout. So sure. um, I want to be a part of it. It's in my it's in my book. I mean, it's it's now on the website. But for 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 the first six and a half years of this company, uh, I I didn't have that because I'm more of a of a team guy and I have a, of a team and I didn't really want to be the focal point of the business. But at the end of the day, what is important is what I went through has a lot of value and meaning and if i don't stand behind that in the forefront um then the whole story is not really the story so i i appreciate hearing what you're saying it means a lot well adam i mean uh, did you want to hit the book real quick yeah i did so uh, we had the opportunity to kind of get to get through get up so the art of perseverance and one thing i want to discuss is the one at bat so the journey back and then and this is 2012 in which uh, you wrote about the the experience of getting back to it, and uh, just even in the front, uh, the quotes about the book. You had a one from Jim Rome I really enjoyed. That I guess you, if you could speak to that experience about the pitcher involved, and then um, just the the feelings of getting to that experience in that situation. Well, I mean. <laughs> That opportunity was reliving a dream come true. Um, I mean, I got to live a dream come true, getting called up to the major leagues for the first time with the Chicago Cubs. And most people in life, at least that I've come across more recently, they they don't ever live out any dreams because most people don't have any dreams, um, which is fascinating or passions, I should say, almost better than just a dream. Um, So during the course of the seven years, two and a half years, positional vertigo, um, vision issues, and then playing for the Cubs and asking for my mutual release, going to the Dodgers, the Royals, the Angels, the Reds, um, getting released, dealing with the uh, multiples of injuries. And then uh, the, the, the last was the shoulder injury where I, sh- I should have given up. So for me, it was I was never going to be able to sleep at night if I didn't give everything um, to the game of baseball to get myself back. Like I, I legitimately would not have been able to close my eyes at night and feel good, no matter what successes mm-hmm. or anything came. So when um, when the opportunity did come and, and the Marlins told me they were going to give me uh, the, the one day, the one at bat uh, against the Mets in 2012, it was like, oh my God, all of this work was worth it. Um, and I got to uh, go to the stadium and become a part of the team. And a lot of the guys that were on the team I had played with before and they stood up in the clubhouse and they're like, this kid's a big leaguer. He was a big leaguer back in 2005. And I played with him at this team. It was kind of like a Rudy moment where like one guy standing up, be like vouching, this dude deserves to be here. And the next one and the next one. And then during batting practice, the last swing, um, uh, one of the catchers, John Buck, he's like, 
dude, no one's getting out of the cage and no one's leaving until he hits, he hits one out of here. And it was the last pitch, the last swing. I hit one out, like almost like I'm cute. You're like, oh, that's the Disney moment. It's the flair uh, for the dramatic dude. It was, it was awesome. But, but the thing was during the game, I got to face the Cy Young award-winning knuckleballer, R.A. Dickey. Like of the seven years that I got to play, wait for my big league opportunity. I got to face the best pitcher in the league who threw a knuckleball at 80 something miles an hour, harder than any knuckleballer ever has. <laughs> and he had more strikeouts and the lowest ERA and won the Cy Young that year. But the point was not really what the result was. And I did strike out on three pitches. The first pitch was a ball that he called a strike, which is bullshit. Um, <laughs> Dude, first and, of all, and, don't tell us that you're ruining the moment. Fuck. So it, it, but it was, and <laughs> the night before, and I can say this in, in locker room talk the night before I'm up in the, uh, in the skybox with the owner, um, and, and the president, uh, David Sampson. And he turns to me during the game and he says, so tomorrow you're going to go out there or whatever. And he goes, don't fucking go down looking like looks me dead in the face, like dead serious. And I'm going, well, no shit. Like, obviously I'm not planning on doing any of that. I'm going to be aggressive. Right. So when he threw the first pitch and he called it a strike and I was like, Oh, that's disgusting. Like the ball was just, it was, it was filthy. But when it get like the next pitch, I'm like, if it's close, I've got to, I've got to at least take a cut. Cause I don't want to be called. Oh, two. And now I'm like, well, I got to swing no matter what. Mm-hmm. So ball started middle and just ran off and like, tried to hit it to, to left field. Um, so now I'm 0-2. So I get out of the batter's box and I'm just like, well, fuck, if he lets it go in, in this stratosphere of the universe, I have to swing. Not a fair at that at, uh, by any means, mm-hmm. but the crowd was going nuts. And, uh, and, and, and he threw one and it was started at the same height as the first one. And it didn't drop. I, I swung through it. Um, had a couple good hacks, but, and I was so pissed. I put my head down um, and just kind of put my, my, my face in my arm for like a half a second, but the crowd was given a standing ovation. And I was like, I couldn't stop but smile. Like I was just, I was so elated that the, the response was what it was. Um, and I, I actually forgot to say when I stepped into the batter's box for the first time, um, I stepped out because the crowd was going nuts and the ground was shaking. And I was like, I was there seven years ago and I thought that I was going to be doing this t- thousands and thousands of times mm-hmm. in that moment when the crowd was going nuts and the ground was shaking, I was like, I'm going to soak this in and like, just like, let it, let it rain. Just, just give me my, it felt like five minutes, but it was like more than a, like a two seconds that I was out there. Um, but it was, it was amazing. And then to be embraced by the fans after a strikeout, I'm like, well, I held a thousand on base percentage for seven years. So that's, I'm pretty proud of that. Mm-hmm. My career on base percentage is 500, even though I've never actually get out of the batter's box. Uh, <laughs> And um, I was the one of the few, if ever, or few, if only guys to ever receive a standing ovation after striking out by the home team. Um, so I, I got some weird isms in my career, but the bottom line is it was it was an amazing opportunity experience. Dude, Adam, fucking killer story. You know, <laughs> it, honestly, and in, in, in the good fight, we can certainly relate. Um, I just want to thank you for your time, man. I guess we're, our listeners are, are got to be wondering where do they go to learn more about this stuff? So you, you can go directly to the website, luronliving.com. It's L-U-R-O-N-G-L-I-V-I-N-G.com. Uh, and then the book is Get Up, The Art of Perseverance. It's right. It's available right on the website. Um, and uh, Adam Greenberg 10 is, uh, is Instagram. And I mean, a- anything that any questions you guys have, I'll even send, um, <clears throat> I'll create like a promo code. So if you guys have uh, show notes or whatever, you can yeah, put yeah, it out to sure. everyone. Cool. Uh, 
and uh, and that would be awesome. But yeah, I just I love testimonials. I love real stories, and um, I'd, I'd love to stay in touch with you guys. And I, I love what you're doing. It's it's really uh, it's awesome. Thank you. No, yeah. that's great, man. Adam, where are you located now? Living? I'm in, Conne- I'm in Connecticut. Connecticut. All right. Yeah, awesome. With all the other schleps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you heard it, folks. Another one in the books. Episode 25 of Power Athlete Radio. No? <laughs> no, what are we? 472? Uh, nobody knows. And it's irrelevant because who's counting? No, you know. Right? Just, Actually, just... I've, I, I've been keeping what? count. Um, 228. Oh, 228. 228. Hmm. I did not know that. That's amazing. But Adam, thanks again, man. Power Athlete Radio listeners, thanks for listening. Shameless, shameless request. Rate us five stars on wherever the fuck's lets us, you rate it. Um, well, do any more negative comments from all your profanity? Me? My profanity? <laughs> I find that profane. I find, <laughs> I'm fucking offended by that. All right, people, that's another one. See you later. Bye. Thanks. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. So you want to see what this deer antler talk is all about? Well, follow Lurong Living on Instagram and its CEO at Adam Greenberg 10. Furthermore, his book Get Up is available on his website or, of course, it's on Amazon. And if you're living with joint pain or coming off of some sort of injury, give Adam's supplement a go. Head to LurongLiving.com and enter the case-sensitive promo code POWERATHLETE at checkout. That's capital P for power, capital A for athlete at checkout. Finally, we want to give a really heartfelt thank you to both Sorenext and PowerDot. These two amazing sponsors of the 2017 Power Athlete Symposium have made it possible to extend a second wave of tickets to you. So that means that more people will be able to take in the once-in-a-lifetime experience. Unless, of course, you have been to multiple symposiums then it's then it's a multiple experience in a lifetime situation which is also good the point is there are far worse things to drop a couple hundred dollars on than the research of pediatric cancer so i hope to see you there until next time bye